0: What you need to know is brought to you by Morongo Casino Resort and Spa. Good times, less than 90 minutes from wherever you are. Laura, what do
1: you got? The Cheese May is really good and back here, so that's what y'all need to know. No, just oh, kidding. the Cheese
2: May.
0: I love the Cheese man. If you
1: guys Cap, don't know, do you know what, what, what Cheese May is, is it my cheese? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to let you know what Cheese means. It means like gossip. the gossip. Yeah. The gossip back here is real. That's why my butt messed up. Yeah. That's anyways, side note. So anyways, earlier this week, I gave props to a high school here in L.A., Sotomayor, who won their first championship, right, the football team. And I actually wanted to show some love to the IE because a lot of people say we don't show them love. So I'm about to show the IE love, specifically Riverside. So um actually shout out to Carlo who sent me this story. The California School for the Deaf, Riverside tried to make history this past weekend by being the first deaf football team in California to win a title. Now they did come short. They didn't win, but their actual their season was impressive. They were on a 10 and 0 run on the regular season. And then they won uh the first three rounds and then they actually lost on the T 2 uh, Division Championship game on the 27th. But shout-out to them. I did give a shout-out to an L.A. school, so I, you guys get your shout-out too.
0: All right, fair enough. That sounds cool. Uh, shout-out to them uh, and, of course, the youngsters. And, by the way, if you love high school basketball, again, Staples Center this weekend. It's going to be tons of girls' and boys' basketball. Uh, there will be a couple games on TV, which I'll be calling on ESPN2, including uh, the last game, which is Sierra Canyon. Um, we'll be taking on Saint Vincent Saint Mary, uh, which is LeBron's old high school team. So he is uh, that's uh, he, where he's an alum. Of. And actually, before that, at five o'clock on ESPN Plus, I'll be calling Fairfax here from LA uh, against Christ the King in New- from New York from Queens, which is where Lamar Odom went to school. So uh, the two boys games uh, will be that will be Fairfax versus Christ the King. That's on ESPN Plus. And I'll call that one, and I'll be calling the game on ESPN two with CR Kenyon and St. Vincent St. Mary.
2: Who are you working right, with on those games? Anybody else involved?
0: Paul Biancardi, who is our like you know, re, uh, you know, our like uh, our guru when it comes to recruiting or whatever, mm-hmm. like college recruiting guy. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, he'll be doing the game with me. But let's talk football with a man who not only knows the NFL because he was a professional that played eight seasons in the National Football League and does our Rams pre and post and all that jazz here on this station but also does a phenomenal job call, calling college football on ESPN television with Beth Mowens this particular season. That's our friend Kirk Morrison joining us here now. Uh, so, Kirk, now that I've built you up like the man that you are, uh, let's talk football. Now, let's start, let's start with the Rams because we've talked a lot about Lincoln Riley here already, and we'll yeah. kind of do that on the back end. So, three losses in a row. Now, all of a sudden, you know, according to the math, there's like less than a 6% chance of making the playoffs in a tough NFC What are you seeing from Matthew Stafford that's the big problem?
3: I mean, obviously the big problem is he turned the football over. But I think more so, I think he's trying to do too much. I think he's trying to make the big play all the time, trying to hit a home run. Instead of taking some singles, some doubles, you know, it's okay to get a walk here and there. You know, get hit by a pitch. It's just about progression. And I think he... To me, he's trying to press too much. When you have a pick six in three straight weeks, that's telling me you're trying to fit the ball into some tight windows. At the end of the game, you see his numbers don't look too bad. But last week, it was just two turnovers, right? The fumble, then the interception pick six. To me, I just see a guy who's pressing. Things came to him very easy in the beginning of the season. Guys were running wide open. But that's what I love about the National Football League is that we've got tapes. You can watch tape. You can you can game plan. You can strategize. What Matthew Stafford is good at, we're going to take that away, and that's what we've seen the last three weeks from the Titans. We saw from the 49ers, and then we saw from the Packers. That's what I've seen so far.
2: Yeah, and Kirk, you know the, the Rams have succeeded. In fact, they've won every game they've played against teams with losing records. But they have only right. you know they they've only been like I think it's two and one against teams with winning records. So what should we be thinking about the Rams? They can beat bad teams but can't beat good teams?
3: Yes, I would say so. But I look at what the Patriots, and the Patriots kind of look that way as well. They beat the bad teams and uh, lost to the good teams. yet They've changed it around. I think with the Rams, it's it's, always say this. Records sometimes, uh, not all records are the same. Because if I told you guys right now that the Rams are 7-4, and four, also the Kansas City Chiefs are 7-4, and four, I think we'll be a lot more confident in the Chiefs 7-4 and four than the Rams 7-4, and four, right? The Chiefs mm-hmm. have kind of figured it out. They went through their little stretch during the season where Patrick Mahomes, we questioned him. They got out of it. You know, they found the Raiders as their sort of uh, slump buster. And I think for the Rams, hopefully it's the Jaguars that can be their slump buster, that they can get a win, just a win, just to kind of calm everybody's nerves a little bit. Then they'll have a Monday night football game against the Arizona Cardinals where they can really kind of hush the critics. But it's really – it's in their own hands right now. And when you have guys like an Odell Beckham, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, the acquisitions that they have, they're, they're no longer a team that's hunters. They are the hunted. Everybody's trying to dethrone the Rams right now. They, you ask for it, you got to go out and produce. And they have not produced the last three weeks. So, Kirk –
0: Defensively, Um, I I feel like that team should be a lot better on paper. I know they've lost guys. Um, How much of it is on the guys on the field? How much of it is on Raheem Morris?
3: I think, honestly, it's really on the offense. (laughs) There you go. That's, that's if you ask me. It's yeah. on the offense. I mean, they've been giving, I mean, gi- I mean week, the Kirk, Rams-
0: Kirk, they've been giving, they get a 40 a forty burger this week, man. Every week they're giving up 35, 40 yeah. points. But that defense is so
2: gassed. I know.
3: Look, George, George, they was on the field for 40 minutes, bro. <laughs> like twice as long as their offense. Their offense is not converting third downs. And then when you're not scoring points, teams are running the football and doing what they want to do. I'm not saying that it's all on the offense, but a majority of this, when you hear those names I mentioned, Leonard Floyd, Bob Miller, Aaron Donald, they're great pass rushers. Teams are not allowing them to rush the passer. I had a chance to talk to Greg Gaines yesterday, the defensive lineman for the Rams. and He was like, dude, we couldn't get to Aaron Rodgers. He was throwing the ball with like .5 seconds. So what are teams doing now? They're throwing the football quickly, and they're making the Rams have to stop the run. And oh, by the way, when they're on the field that long, the offense isn't having long, just uh, sustaining drives. The Rams are horrible right now on third down offensively. That's what equates to the defense, I think, playing poorly because they're still making plays, but teams are just running the football down their throat. Yes, the points come up, but you know, you add in a pick six from Matthew Stafford, you add in the fumble that was like lost, and then Green Bay goes and scores a touch. Like I mean, scores a field goal. That's ten points right there that the defense didn't give up. That's because of the offense. So I'm putting 75% on the offense and about 25% on the defense. They just haven't had a chance to really go out and rush the passer. They haven't won first and second down. And that's why, you know, we've had these last couple of games and we've barely said Aaron Donald or Von Miller's name.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Kirk, I was saying the same thing earlier in the week, which was when the offense can't run the football and when time Correct. of possession is so in favor of the opponent, a defense gets just worn down. And so, for me, yeah. what I'm most concerned about is the fact that the Rams don't seem to have much of a running game. I would love for you to give us your opinion and evaluation on what you see from the Rams' offensive line.
3: Yeah, I don't even know if it's, it's not having a running game. I just feel like Sean McVay has gotten to this pass happy seven on seven. Let's throw the ball like we're in the Big Twelve. And I'm like, dude, like why not run the football with Darnell? with, with, I mean, with Daryl Henderson, with Sony Michelle. But I think it also goes back to the loss of Robert Woods, who was one of the best lead blockers that they had at the wide receiver position. Johnny Munt was the backup tight end behind Higby, he's out for the year. There's some critical guys on that team, on on offense, that aren't out there anymore. And you're starting to see why they've been struggling. And then in the interior of that offensive line hasn't been great. Look, they've gone up against, you know, a first-round pick in Jeffrey Simmons, the like Kenny Clark last week, and the, uh, the uh, Green Bay Packers this is one of the uh, – Best, I mean, he's a pro bowler last year in the NFL, so they've had their work cut out for them. I think it's a collective effort in running the football, but more so, I think Sean McVay just has to get stubborn, and he has to get stubborn. But when you get down early on, I feel like this is the first time in the five years that McVay has been the head coach, he's hit with adversity. He has to lead these guys out of it. It's not on the players right now, it's on the head coach. Well, I'm putting I'm- it on the head coach now that I want to see how do you get this thing done and turned around.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because it was going to be something that I was going to ask you about because I've been very steadfast for weeks talking about how he's not coaching Matthew Stafford like he would coach any other quarterback. He's got, like, the googly eyes, sure. the honeymoon phase, all that. And, look, there are a lot of things that they used to do. We, you and I used to talk about it all the time, right? Like, they were great at what you used to call the eye candy stuff. A lot of motion, right, play action. They were the number two play action team last year. Um, you know, they're like 25th or 26th this year. But I think a lot of that is right. because he trusts Matthew Stafford maybe a little too much. Um, do you believe that has to be a real conversation
3: between coach and quarterback? Yeah, I think so. I think it has to be a conversation of, you know what, we're going to try to slow this thing around. And look, a lot of it is this. Think about this. A lot of teams are kind of hitting their stride in terms of they've been together since, you know, all offseason. They've been together in training camp. They've been together in the beginning of the season. They've gone through a bye week. And now certain teams we're starting to see are gelling at the right time. When it comes to the Rams, think about it. They're adding new players during the season. And adding, and I'm not saying that they're just adding, oh, a defensive lineman here or a guy. No, they're adding key positions, a wide receiver in Odell Beckham who's going to fill in for Robert Woods. A lot of these things are things that, like Matthew Stafford, Is going to have to work through. And so if I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with my quarterback, I may scale back a bit. Hey, let's try to run the football a little bit more. If Matthew Stafford has to throw 35 times or more, that's not a good look for this offense right now, currently. Now they can expand the offense as the season goes along, like, you know, as you get later into weeks 16, 17, and 18. But right now, scale it back. Let's run the football with a former first round pick in Sonny Michelle daryl henderson let's see if we can try to be uh be a little aggressive at the line of scrimmage because right now the word around the league is that they're soft they're a soft finesse football team right now and they've been exposed by three teams in the last three weeks that have been more physical and have out hit the ramps
2: well there you go kirk marson hanging out this afternoon on sedano and cap all right listen george and i've been talking a lot of college football this week What do you make of this Lincoln-Riley situation? How long do you think he can, you know, how long until he brings USC back to prominence? Those are the questions we've all been asking. Get in on this.
3: Yeah. You know, how crazy is this, though? Last week I had Tulsa at SMU, and uh, SMU head coach is Sonny Dykes. He's going to take over at TCU. And his offensive quarter, SMU, by the way, is a a guy by the name of Garrett Riley, who's the brother of Lincoln-Riley. So you got two brothers, Riley, who will be moving from their previous stops, right? So this has been a crazy weekend for the Riley family. Uh, I mean, obviously, look, you can't turn this opportunity down if you're a Lincoln Riley to go to USC and and the money they're offering. But I think the fan base, uh, Mike Bone, the athletic director, a guy who I worked with at San Diego State when I was a student as well, I mean, this is huge for them. And I think that he's going to get this thing turned around quickly. We've already seen the impact on recruits already Uh, around high school football. I mean, this is – I think USC finally has a coach that they've been looking for since Pete Carroll was gone. They've been trying to find somebody to bring that excitement back, to bring the fun back to L.A. And Lincoln Riley, he's about points. He's about scoring. And I think finally, man, the USC can – I think we'll see a a packed coliseum now in the coming years because of what Lincoln Riley's going to bring.
0: What do you – think it will do for West Coast football in general, though, because I feel like USC has always been the bell cow for oh. West Coast football.
3: I mean, this is the biggest – This Lincoln Riley coming to the the Pac-12, the West Coast, I mean, this is huge now for George Klykoff, who's the um, new Pac-12 commissioner. I mean, now he can negotiate a deal for the Pac-12 when the new TV deals are up and say, hey, we got USC back. You know what I mean? That's like having the Lakers back. Like, hey, you want to get us? Well, this is what we got going on. So, this was huge for the Pac 12 in general that everybody's going to get a piece of the pie when it comes to splitting up the television revenues. I I think this is huge because more eyeballs, more, you know, George and and Cap, late night, Saturday night football. I mean, people are going to have to stay up late now to watch Lincoln Riley. No more are you going to sleep. I think the last couple of years, people have been asleep. Nobody cared about the West Coast football outside of, you know, University of Oregon. Lincoln now is going to make Pac 12 after dark something that. It's going to be must-see football. I really believe that. So it's huge for the West Coast. It's huge for recruiting. And I kind of said it before the season started is that when you looked at the DJ Uyunglele and Spencer Rattlers and uh, Bryce Young, all these quarterbacks, they're all West Coast kids. They're L.A. kids, Arizona. And yet they're playing for all these universities down south and back east. He's bringing them all back. He's bringing it and keeping the talent here on the West Coast. So I think that's what the big thing uh, I can't wait to see is some of these homegrown California kids playing right back at USC, right where they belong.
2: All right, Kirk, last thing because um, we're kind of blowing up the clock here. You mentioned your days at San Diego State. Yeah. George, do you realize that San Diego State is playing Utah State in the Mountain West Conference Championship game this weekend in Carson at Dignity Sports Health Park? Did you know that? <laughs> I mean, the mountain. I mean, West the man conference. covers college football. You don't think he knows that? Now, I was talking to you. Do you know that? Oh, no. oh me, yeah. yeah you mentioned no. it yesterday. Yeah. You talked yeah. We talked about it yesterday. Kirk, what do you think, man? Your Aztecs <laughs> yeah. are having maybe the greatest season in the history of San Diego State football, and they're going to be playing the championship game in Los Angeles. And by the way, if they win, they're probably headed to the L.A. Bowl at SoFi Stadium. So hype your your alma mater, dude.
3: Man, look, man. I was there last week. Man, an unreal environment to beat Boise there. Uh, I'll be there again, 12 o'clock, you know, high noon on Saturday. Hoping that the Aztecs can win number 12. And 12 and one, man, an outstanding season for Brady Hulk and what these guys have been. Brady Hoke and what these guys have been able to do. I'm, I'm excited though because this is the last game, and then they open up that brand new stadium down in San Diego next year. So it's all coming together. So this will be huge for them to get this win this weekend. All
0: right, Kirk. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it as always. Be good. All good, fellas. Talk to you all later. All right, Kirk, be well, man. All right, coming up next, two things. Can USC be LA's football team again after what you heard from Kirk Morrison? And do the Lakers need to make a move? And if so, are you willing to part with a young piece, the only young piece you have? All coming up in just a moment. We're back in three minutes. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Go ahead, Cap, do your thing.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, 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 yeah felt good (laughs) you know it's funny george i was having dinner the other night with a buddy of mine Mm -hmm. haven't seen this guy in a few years yeah and i said to him i said his name's joe i said hey joe i have this story in my head let me tell it to you and tell me if what i'm saying is accurate because i have no pictures of this right so i tell him i go so this buddy of mine joe he used to run the sports illustrated swimsuit issue and he used to run the Sports Illustrated Super Bowl party. Mm-hmm. So in Jacksonville, this is probably like 2003, 4, 5, somewhere in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. He's running this party, and he tells me, he goes, hey, listen, we're going to go to this party tonight, and Kanye West is performing. And I said, I don't know who that is. And he said, well, I'll tell you this. By next week, you're going to know who he is, because next week he's going to win a whole bunch of Grammys, and we got Kanye West to perform at this party for fifty grand. This is the last time we'll ever be able to get him at this kind of a price. So I go to this party, and it's you know it's typical stuffy, uptight, you know, uh, corporate types. And yeah. Kanye's up on the stage, and all I hear him doing because I don't know any of his songs, all I hear him doing is going "uh, yeah, uh, yeah," and I'm going, "I could do that. I could very easily do that." Yeah. So the the, the concert ends, uh. the party ends, and afterwards, uh. me yeah. and my b- Joe, because he's running the thing, we go uh. backstage. Yeah. It's me, Joe, Kanye uh. West, the DJ, yeah. whoever he was. And Kanye's mother, who died not yeah. long thereafter. Mm-hmm. I'm telling him this story. and I go, do I have this story right? Because there's no pictures. We didn't have iPhones back then. I'm the only guy who knows this story other than you. Is it accurate? And he goes, Kaplan, that is precisely exactly what happened. And it wasn't glamorous. This wasn't some green room. There weren't M&Ms with the brown ones taken out. It was like boxes and warehouses and moving things. And I'm like, okay. Just wanted to make sure that actually really happened because – when you tell people a story like that, they're like, that never happened. I'm like, I think it did, but I got no documentation of it. But right, I got right. a witness.
0: So there it goes. There you go. Well, that's pretty One cool. Witness.
2: It was kind of cool. It's just, it did you been talk a to cool. him at all or no? Yeah, I talked to him a lot, but I had no idea. I, like, I, for me, this is so early in Kanye's career.
0: Was, what was he like when you spoke to him?
2: He was kind of like aloof and a little weird. You know, I, I mean, that's spending, kind of on
0: brand, isn't it?
2: Yeah, right. I wound up spending more time talking to his mom. had more to talk to her about than i had to talk to him about right but man that was a i wish back then you know we didn't have iphones so i got no documentation of something like that
0: Mm.
2: thank goodness i had a witness yeah although i was just being you know i was just tagging along
0: yeah i think we're all going to be witnesses to some a shift in football here in this town don't you agree with usc
2: well look george um you know, for 20-plus years, there were no Rams in L.A. There were no Chargers in L.A., not that there really are Chargers in L.A. right now, at least not based on, you know, people going and seeing them. So USC was football in L.A. And when Pete Carroll was the coach and, you know, Reggie Bush was the star running back and Matt Leiner was the quarterback and Heisman's were being won and national championships were being won, USC was the football team. Mm -hmm. of LA. Mm -hmm. Then the NFL decided to move back into town and USC hasn't been very good. So my thought is, is that if Lincoln Riley gets USC back to national prominence, gets them into the playoff, if they win a national championship, USC could, I believe, eclipse the Rams, the Chargers, the NFL in LA. Is that, is that out of line? You think that's, that's, oh, I I don't think
0: it's out of line. I, I don't. I, I don't look, I think the Rams have done a really good job of capturing the town fairly quickly. I still think the Raiders, if you put them here, would probably still draw the most if I had to guess um, if I, if I included them in this conversation, right? Um, but let's just say if we're just doing the Chargers, the Rams, and USC. Yes, I think that is I, I would agree with that. I think that USC would be the team that everyone jumps behind for sure because they have a huge alumni base already. Um, they have a very powerful alumni base. And look, man, everybody loves a winner. And when they are rocking and rolling, um, you know, then it, people are going to jump on that bandwagon. Now, do I think there's going to be 90,000 at every game? You know, even if they're awesome? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, look, I, there, there were times back then where I would come to L.A. and I would watch them play. And it wasn't a, I mean, it was it was pretty packed house, but not completely packed, not 90,000, maybe like 75, 80 in some games, um, you know, 65 on some others. Uh, but certainly the Notre Dames uh, of the world or whenever like another good Pac-12 team would roll in for a big game, you know, especially a night game that'd be packed. But, yeah, I-, I think they absolutely can capture that for sure.
2: Yeah, listen, I'm telling you, back in those days, George, with, with Pete Carroll, Matt Leinert, and Reggie Bush, um, you know, it was, that was the place to be. And those guys were stars. You know, Reggie Bush was a star, not oh, yeah. Yeah. of college football he was an L.A. football star. There was no Matthew Stafford. There was no Sean McVay. There was no Aaron Donald, et cetera, et cetera. Reggie Bush was the football star of Los Angeles back then, you know? And, yeah. and I, I really think that when you looked at the Coliseum this year and you saw how pathetic and empty it was and no energy at all, and rightly so, the team wasn't very good and they weren't winning, if they get back to what they were, if they can be what Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma, they can create that kind of excitement. Listen, it it would be a real competition, I think, between USC and the two NFL teams.
0: Yeah, Uh, I I would agree. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, let me ask you a quick Laker question. We've talked about how the Lakers, we're going to have to see. This is a very interesting stretch for them. LeBron is back. He's been able to get two negative tests, so he's going to be back for the Clipper game tomorrow. If, if they still struggle, let's say another 20 games go by, or whatever, 18 games, let's say 40 games. We're at the midway point, And they're still hovering around 500. Don't you need to make a move at that point? And if that's the case, the only because we had Chris Mannix on the other day, and I agree with him, they don't have a lot of parts they can move except Taylen Horton Tucker. Don't you have to at least kick the tires on what Taylen Horton Tucker can get you if your goal is to win a championship with this group?
2: George, I'd trade Taylen Horton Tucker today. And I I know that's not the most popular thing to say. And a year ago, I probably wouldn't have said it. But I think this particular year of the Lakers, this is crisis mode. I mean, this is where we, I'm not saying that they're not going to make the playoffs. But if LeBron gets hurt. No, they'll make the playoffs. If if AD were to get hurt miss extended period of time. My point is only this. Talon Horton Tucker is a really nice young player. Is he ever going to be your number one if LeBron retired and AD retired is Taylor Horton Tucker the guy you're saying that's our guy we build around him
0: no i don't think he's a number 1 even if that's the case yes
2: that's yeah. my point so you know what last year it was like no he's too young he's too talented this year if you really want to win a championship and he's kind of your only chip on the table yeah i trade him
1: Would yeah
0: you? i think i think that will be that will be an interesting conversation to have in another 18 games cuz i think that that will be something that will have to be discussed Um, And I think that, to your point, people will not be thrilled about having that conversation. But it is something to look out for. Just putting it on the table there for everyone to understand that is a possibility. Um, All right. Maybe what we'll do tomorrow is we can explore potential trades. What would make some sense for both sides, right? Uh, Particularly for the Lakers as they try to win a championship on a team that has been disappointing thus far. All right. Listen. 645-ish. 645 Tim Kirkton, we'll talk to him about what the hell's going on with Major League Baseball, why we're having this damn lockout, and what he thinks of the Dodgers offseason prior to the teams getting locked out. And, of course, Kaplan will probably ask him about robing. About no, no, whether I'm going to ask him about
2: Zoom calls. I'm going to ask him what he thinks about the Lincoln-Riley Zoom call Yeah, situation. probably not.
0: My guess is that you won't. I mean, I mean, you could, but my guess is you'll hit him up on the robe since you're trying to get everyone else to wear robes. But right. first, before that, big deal, or no deal. All right? Everyone's favorite segment here in the, uh, in the 6 o'clock hour. That's coming up in three minutes.
4: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
2: Must
4: be 21 plus plus present president select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: Speaking of big deals, a big deal for you to call the right attorney when you're injured in an accident. Call my friends at Sam and Ash Injury Law at 800-304-2000. That's 800-304-2000. habla Español. Visit them online. Sam and Ash dot com. Linz, what do you got?
5: Well, apparently Major League Baseball... Uh, was using two different baseballs last season, and players claimed that they had no idea, according to a report from Business Insider. Dr. Meredith Wills, who is a physicist who specializes in sports, um, she dissected and measured a number of baseballs used during the 2021 season. She found that some of the balls had lighter cores, which MLB promised to use during the 2021 season to curb offense. Others were heavier and had the same properties as balls used in previous seasons when the league's home run rate exploded so is major league baseball reportedly secretly under the radar Lee using two different baseballs last year a big deal or no deal Sedano
0: big deal whack is bleep is what I would say and makes zero sense I mean we already I mean at least I chastised them for changing the rules on pitchers midstream last year on the sticky stuff now you're telling me there was two different balls I mean can Rob Manfred get anything right
2: I'm with you here. It's a big deal. I mean, shouldn't every ball in every sport be standardized and Correct. exactly the same?
0: Yes. Well, so that was the whole Brady deflate gate thing, remember?
2: Yeah, but the actual football itself is the same one that the other team brought. It's just that Tom Brady, my boyfriend, wanted it to be just slightly less inflated because I mean, a lot less it inflated and squeeze in some it, cases, yeah. you know? But, yeah, it just seems so strange to me. You would think that every ball that is out there is standardized. This is what a standard Major League Baseball is.
0: Yeah. Bizarre. Weak. Weak. Yeah.
2: Weak.
5: They, they, you're right. They can't get anything right. And it's just one of the many things on the laundry list of grievances, whatever you want to call it, mistakes, Rob Manfred. I'm, I'm convinced that guy actually hates baseball. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he doesn't do anything good for it. You know what's yeah. funny about that, though, is that Bud Selig before him Everybody loves to hate Bud Selig. Yeah. You know, everybody loves to hate Rob Manfred. I wonder if it's like just the position of baseball's commissioner.
0: Well, but I don't, you know, I don't think it, I mean, maybe baseball's, but yeah. Like, I mean, people dislike Roger Goodell, but I would say most people like Adam Silver. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't hear hockey fans crushing Gary Bettman, you know?
2: Anybody here know the uh, commissioner's name of major league soccer? No.
0: Oh, uh, God, his name uh, escapes me. I've actually talked to him before. Um, Hold on. What is his
2: damn name? I mean, we got all Uh, four commissioners. Garber. Something
0: Garber. Something Garber.
2: Don Garber, I think. Don Garber.
0: Yes. Yes. There you go.
2: Well, if you're not right, nobody's going to know that you're wrong. I can tell you that. (laughs) No, but I knew it was
0: Garber. Right. I just had to guess for a second. Like, I had to think about his name. So, anyway, all right. All right well, speaking,
5: speaking of baseball, within minutes of last night's Major League Baseball lockout, all remnants of player likenesses were wiped from official properties. Less than 24 hours later, players are trolling the league on Twitter for its ludicrousness, which is pretty funny. So, players are changing their profile pictures on Twitter and social media all over the place to the generic silhouettes that are now being used on Major League Baseball's website. (laughs) I encourage you to look on some of your favorite baseball player social media's accounts because it's quite hilarious. Is this internet standoff between the league and players a big deal or no deal, Cap?
2: I'm going to say no deal. Uh, This is the owner's way of saying to the players, you guys don't play for us right now. You're locked out. But wait a second, I want to go and use the facilities and i want to use the batting cages i want to use the weight room no you are locked out we actually don't have a roster right now so i know what they're doing you know and i just don't really think it's a big deal so i'm sticking on that side no deal
0: uh i'm gonna also say no deal but it's petty as hell that's for sure
2: yeah definitely petty
5: I, is- I like the petty just sometimes when it comes from the player side because it's kind of funny i'm not gonna lie uh, by the
0: I'm way, Tim Kirchner going to join us at 645-ish, so make sure you stick around for that. We'll talk to him about the Dodgers, this lockout, all that stuff. So stick yeah, around. Yeah, because even
2: if you were to go to MLB.com right now and you look up at the top, it's news, video, score, stats, standings. There's no longer a place where it's like teams. Yeah.
5: It kind of looks like an old like GeoCities website. <laughs> like It yes. just looks so like blank and boring and, wow, like MLB yeah. Advanced Media sure went, went down the uh, – crapper when they they started this lockout. It's like they had no idea that this was going to happen, and they did oh, not prepare for teams. it. Oh,
2: here they are. I found the teams. But okay. no one's on the teams. Who's
5: on the teams? We don't know. Right.
2: I'm going to the Dodgers right now. I'm looking up their
5: roster. All right, so this next story, I'm not sure that you're going to understand much, if any of it, Cap, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Yeah, go ahead. So a milestone in the world of cryptocurrency has recently been reached as a blockchain investor announced the acquisition of Metaverse Land. Tokens.com announced that it acquired a plot of land- within the Decentraland metaverse, in a specific area that's titled Fashion Street District. So, to break it down for you, Cap, the land that is purchased within the metaverse, it's not real, it's just digital. digital real estate. Yep, and it it cost about $2.4 million. Token.com said that it will use the plot of quote-unquote land to host virtual fashion shows where brands are going to show off their fashion designs digitally. Is this huge purchase of digital land that's not even real a big deal or no deal, Sedano?
0: I mean, it's a big deal because basically this digital land will be eventually a basically your own plot or platform for you to launch whatever it is you want to launch. Now, uh, in this particular case, they will use it for fashion shows, but I would imagine if you own it, uh, you will be able to do whatever it is you want to do on this digital land uh, digitally, right, and uh, with your Oculus glasses or whatever it is you want to do with virtual or augmented reality. Um, so I think that having owning digital land will become a thing, yes. And by the way, they are also digitizing real land, too, to be frank with you. Um, They've but already yes. done that. So yes.
5: so what it, what it kind of reminds me of, I guess, is like the, the game Pokemon Go. I played yeah. that. Great game. It's basically just like augmented reality of real life. So, like, I could pull it up in my phone here, and it will have, you know, some landmark areas at Staples Center that I could right. spin as a Pokestop. It has the map and everything. Right. That's kind of scary to think that, like, that exists in this alternate digital universe, and people are going to stake claim on it. So, like, the people who own Staples Center don't actually own Staples Center in the digital world, you know? It's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah.
5: Thought I find it Fascinating. It you
0: don't understand really, a second of what you well, just said. Well, it's
5: not when you
2: say I don't understand it. I disagree. It's just that the way you describe it, Lindsay, like you're, you're doing it for me in a very elementary way. Um, I think everybody needs that.
5: I, think I was gonna say, I need that to like yeah. try and make myself understand it right. in the I big mean, scheme of things. You,
2: right, just because you guys are trading cryptocurrency doesn't make everybody no, no. here an expert. I, just, on, I was just teasing. On so the no, no, no. It's okay. I mean, wow,
0: I'm, you've gotten really defensive, defensive again. There. Well, I mean, it's
2: just it's just a hard thing to really put your head around, right? It's like it somebody's is. paying two point four million dollars for something that's not real, but then they can use it for things and and probably make money back on it. From advertising, assuming a whole bunch of people are willing to go and watch and look and create impressions and whatever. It's it's a uh this metaverse thing. I'm still not really buying it, but I know you guys all are.
5: <laughs> to say but, you're not buying I it, mean it's
0: not ESPN the phone, bro.
2: Like it's gonna choice. be a real thing.
5: Yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's here. It's here. It's not just coming, it's here.
0: Yeah. All right. Well
5: yeah. Well, speaking I still, of don't Facebook. Don't you think
2: that sounds kinda ridiculous? Two point four million dollars for digital land?
5: Um, yes Depends and no. Depends on uh,
0: how many people you get to, to come to your digital land.
5: Right, because you know what? It could actually be worth way more than that. Yeah. You know, a year from now we could be like, can you believe that guy got only, you know, he paid $2.4 million? it's worth $20 trillion now, you
2: know? And you're probably right. It's probably what's going to happen.
5: All right, so real quick, last one. So you want to go Habsies on a digital land?
2: I do. Not for $2.4 million, but maybe like $100 or something.
5: Hmm, I don't think that's going to get you much. Yeah, probably not. Maybe like a gravestone or something in an old cemetery, but that's about it. All right, so speaking of Facebook, the next time someone tries to friend you on Facebook or follow you on Instagram, it could be a debt collector. New rules approved by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau that took effect on Tuesday dictate how collection agencies can email and text people, as well as message them on social media to seek repayment for unpaid debts. Under the new rules, debt collectors who contact you on social have to identify themselves as debt collectors, and they're not allowed to share any of your personal information publicly. They must do it privately. So is the fact that debt collectors can now stalk you on social media and contact you that way, is that a big deal or no deal, Cap?
2: <laughs> I'm going to say no deal, <laughs> only because if you have a debt collector calling you, you know you can hang up on him. Um, or you can tell him, screw you, don't call me anymore. Uh, And the same goes for on social media. You know, if they're going to hit you with a direct message, you're like, you're either going to pay your debts, negotiate some kind of better deal, or you're going to be like, don't bother me, and I'm going to delete this. So I know it sounds like, wow, they found a new way to get to you, and it's probably pretty smart, but I'm going to say no deal.
0: Yeah, I'm also saying no deal, and also super annoying by them. But still, you still ways around that. You can just deactivate your account.
5: I think All it's right. a big deal because of scammers. It opens the door for a lot of scammers. Oh no,
0: there is that. There is that. That's a good point. All right, that is big deal, no deal. Every day at six thirty, coming up next, Tim Kirchin, in about three minutes or so.
4: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better.
0: The man, the myth, the legend, when I want to talk baseball, this is the person... I want to seek out every time, and he's always very kind enough to join us here. Tim Kirchin, ESPN MLB insider analyst, joins us here on Sedano and Cap here on 710 ESPN. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for the time. Before I get into baseball, uh, I want to waste your time asking you a personal question. My co-host, Scott Kaplan, is a robe guy. He likes to wear robes, um, and he is trying to commit to getting me a gift uh, that is a robe, and I have explicitly explained to him I'm not a robe person. You, on the other hand, do not strike me as a robe person as well. Are you a robe person, Tim Kirchner? Come Kirtchen? on, Tim. Come on, Tim. Be a robe guy.
6: I'm 64 years old. I'm 5'4 half, I weigh 140 pounds. I look ridiculous in a robe. <laughs> I don't think I've ever worn a robe. I don't even wear sandals. I've, I've never worn sandals in my life. I'm a, I'm a socks and shoes kind of guy, and there's simply no way you're going to look at my short little hairy legs if I can avoid it. And so I'm not wearing a robe ever. <laughs> have I love you, ever you too. Seen,
2: have you ever seen an episode of The Simpsons? Yes. A lot? or How about Family Guy?
6: Yes, I'm I'm not great on either one, but I do recognize the incredible humor in both, but I'm always watching a Pirates-Reds game, so I don't watch enough other <laughs> that, that is true. That is true.
0: Tim is definitely busy watching the NL Central when the rest of us are watching Family Guy and the Simpsons, but he's at least seen them. And the reason he brings that up, Tim, is because Scott has never seen an episode of either, and I'm like, they've been on the air for like 20 years. How does that, how does that not even cross your attention at one point or another?
2: But Tim, I was too busy watching yeah. like a Toledo versus Northern Illinois football game. So believe me, I get where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, anyway. All right. Uh,
2: the Simpsons are great,
6: and P- Peter Griffin is really funny, no doubt.
0: Yes, uh, as are you, Tim Kirchin, even though not always uh, directly. You, uh, you always make us laugh, and, and I enjoy having you on. But we will also talk baseball, which is another reason why I enjoy having you on. So, Tim, before we get into like, specifics on teams and how they did up until the point things were locked out, why the hell are we here? Why is it that this reeks of greed, uh, and why had we gotten to this point with baseball?
6: Well, I think we need to go back to 2016 when the owners did a spectacular job of putting that CBA together. Um, the players were seemingly back then were more interested in health and safety, good food, travel, off days, as opposed to the financial structure of the game. And that's where the owners did a tremendous job. And from... Most people that I've talked to in the industry, people think the owners did way better than the players in 2016, and ever since then, the players have said, all right, we're gonna get back at them, and we're gonna get back everything that we lost. Well, that's not how it works in a negotiation. So when you ask, how did we get here, it's possible we got here because of five years ago, that people were saying when that agreement was done, this is going to get really ugly someday in 5 years and maybe that's exactly where we are now.
2: Tim, could you just describe for everybody listening what exactly it is that the players now want and not look, the obvious answer is more money, but explain what else the players really want here.
6: Well, the players want to get paid earlier in their careers as opposed to later. A free agent, you don't become a free agent in baseball until you're 6 season, which I think has always been great and it, it's the one sport. It's so hard to play. You really gotta prove yourself in this sport before you get paid. But the union is saying a lot of players get six years in, they're thirty-two years old, and they're not getting paid when they finally get to free agency. So they want free agency after, you know, three years. And so far the owners have said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. The players also want um, to end the service time manipulation that the owners obviously do sometimes, keep a young player in the minor leagues, keep them under control for longer. They want to make sure that doesn't happen. And that all goes back to they want more competitive balance in the game. They don't want teams winning 55 games and others winning 107 like last year. I can tell you the gap between the bad teams and the really good teams now is wider than I've ever seen it. So that's what the union is mostly going after. They want free agency earlier. They want to get paid earlier and they don't want a player sitting in the minor leagues when he belongs in the major leagues.
0: Tim Kirchner joining us here. Tim Kirchner joining us here, ESPN MLB insider and analyst. Um, Look, obviously, until they start missing games, I, I think that people are going to care for a little while, but it's going to be an afterthought for a bit. Um, do you believe that we this gets resolved and we get a chance to actually watch games, or is this thing going to be a real war and we we may not get this resolved until well past April?
6: Well, I'm going to take the high road here and say there is so much money to be lost if you start losing regular season games, that one way or another, this will get done and will open on April the 1st. Now, am I confident about that? Of course not. These two sides are so far apart right now. And the next two months are really going to be long and cold and mean, and it's really going to be a difficult negotiation, but I think everyone in baseball is going to look at the landscape and see this is not a good time for any sort of lockout, work stoppage of any sort. Basketball has moved past baseball. Hockey has in certain places. Football, of course, is way ahead of baseball, and the game's popularity just isn't what it was, and it's become more of a regional sport than a national sport, so this is not good for business that there's a lockout and it'll be really bad for business if somehow this lockout goes and affects the regular season. But once players start to lose money, and they're not losing any money right now, once they start to lose money, hopefully that will get everybody back at the table and we can open on April the 1st. I think we will, but I say that with great hesitation.
2: Tim, what about the owner's side? Two years ago was COVID. There was the shortened season, so they didn't make as much money. Then last year, the first, I don't know, almost half of the season, there were no fans or very limited fans. If you had to handicap the players or the owners, who can withstand longer? No games.
6: Well, I think just because owners make so much money in other businesses and the value of their franchises is so enormously high. They have way more money than the players do. Now, the players have a war chest. They have licensing money saved up over the last four years. So, you know, once they start missing paychecks, they're going to get other paychecks from the union, which has done a good job saving up. But, you know, owners have more money than the players do. That's why they own the team. So I think they can withstand it longer than the players can, but you're right. The owners have not had a particularly productive last two years with COVID and everything else. They want to play. They need fans in the stands, and that's not going to happen with a lockout, but they're also not going to give in and give back everything they gained five years ago.
0: Mm. So, Tim, let's talk about the Dodgers real quick. Um, you know, they lose Scherzer. They lose Seeger, They keep Taylor. Uh, what were your thoughts on those moves and do you believe the Dodgers will still be one of the better teams next year?
6: Yeah, the Dodgers are still really good. They need to do some stuff and they will because they have more money than anyone else and once the lockout is lifted, there's going to be free agents everywhere and the teams with the most money are going to be able to scoop up what they want a whole lot easier than maybe before. So if whatever they need, They'll be in position to buy it, and there's still a bunch of really talented players out there. As for Corey Seager, I was told halfway through the summer by a guy in the Dodgers system, you know, he's not coming back here. There's only so much honey in the pot is how he put it. So I wasn't shocked when he left, but that's an enormous loss. I don't care if you have Trey Turner or not. Trey Turner's a great player. But they're better with Turner at second and Seager at shortstop and they're going to miss Corey Seager badly. And they're going to miss Max Scherzer, even though he wasn't there for very long. But they still have you know, a, a quite a bit of starting pitching. They still have a very good lineup, and they're not done by any means filling in any sort of gaps that they need to fill.
2: What do you think they're going to do with Kershaw, though?
6: Well, I'm sorry. I'm the most naive guy in the world sometimes, but I just can't picture him pitching for anyone else. To me, he's a Dodger And he will and should be a Dodger forever. Now, could the Rangers jump in there? Of course, the Texas, you know, connection is real. So that's a possibility. And maybe some other team would say, Hey, we really want him also. Uh, but I just think the Dodgers have to look at Kershaw and say, one of the greatest pitchers, certainly of his generation, almost any generation, we want him back. That's what I think is going to happen. But, you know, we're a long way from even thinking about that right now.
0: All right, Tim Kirkchin with us here. Last one, Timmy, a two parter. Uh, what do you think happens with Jansen, and what should the Dodgers do with the rest of their rotation at this point?
6: Well, they need Jansen back. I mean, they, he had a pretty darn good year last year, and just because they need him back doesn't mean he's coming back because there are other teams out there that could use a closer who still throws pretty hard and has a great cutter. But I have to think the Dodgers are still in on him, and they just got to see where the price is when the lockout ends. As for the rest of the rotation, I mean, they're going to have to figure out—you know—is Trevor Bauer on the team? Is he going to be able to pitch? I mean, that's a huge question. I I, I, would—I would would not count on him for next year just based on what we've seen to this point. And they have to go out and get another starting pitcher. Now, exactly where it's going to be, who it's going to be, I'm not sure. And yeah, it's not a great free agent year. Carlos Rodon's out there. He could help the Dodgers. But um, they've got some work to do. But to repeat, they have a lot of money to do it. Tim Kirchner, best in the business of
0: covering Major League Baseball, ESPN MLB insider and analyst, and a non-robe wearer. And you, you this is try why I one, love him. You, you yeah. should try a robe, man. It, no,
6: don't do you it, You mentioned Tim.
0: how short you were. Don't you know, it. it'll touch the ground. It'll be nice. It'll be don't, lovely. Don't, don't do it, Tim. Very don't warm
2: and cozy.
6: Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, I repeat, terrible in a robe. Curious,
0: so. there you go <laughs> timmy thank you brother appreciate it happy holidays thank you okay guys see you take right, care there he is. <laughs> so no robe kaplan it's too short man
2: just a too. he's too short of a guy to look good in a robe
0: yeah well look i'm glad you were uh you know okay with him not wearing a robe i mean you see me so upset with us not wanting to wear robes
2: so. i'm more upset with you guys because i feel like i'm providing a very lovely gift and i would love for my teammates here to be open-minded that's all
0: all right well listen We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Great job, Cap, Lindsay, and Laura. Rams All Access is up next. See ya.